How's everyone doing? Good. Well, as you can tell, I am not doing my best. Um, this is the second time in a row that my voice coming up to teach has been um, taken from me. I, uh, I teach sixth grade uh, science, and last week into this week, a lot of the kids started to slowly disappear out of my classroom, which is never good for a teacher. You just already know. You know, like you're, you're immune from your own children's sickness, right? Like as a mom, they come home and they like, they like spit in your face, right? Like, like somehow their snot ends up in your mouth. I know, you're like gross, but it's true, isn't it? And yet you don't get sick, but somehow other children, it doesn't count with other kids. So inevitably I caught, I'm not sure what I have caught. Um, and I have felt really lousy over the last couple of days and actually kind of wanted to back out of teaching, trying to figure out who could do it and just... I just know that I know I'm supposed to be up here today. I know that I have a message for you today. So bear with my voice. I'm sorry if it goes out. You're just going to have to listen really well. Maybe it's God's, God's intention that you are actually listening and not just kind of tuning me out. But I do have a word and I believe it's for, from the Lord and I believe it's for you tonight. Um, as we were worshiping, I just, I felt like, I felt the need to say this, and it's actually not for those listening in person. This is actually a word for those listening in line. I felt, or listening online, I felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage you to come to church. Come to church. And if you don't live here and you're listening online somewhere else, go to church somewhere else. Go in person to church because there's something about going and being with other saints with one mind worshiping Jesus together. You are missing out on something so important, not for God necessarily, for you, for your spiritual health. You need to be going to church and that is not to reprimand you or condemn you, it's to encourage you. There is something here and I just think, I listen every Saturday night to JJ's my husband, for those of you <coughs> who don't know. And there, it's not the same, right? It's not the same listening to a worship service. It is, it is, it is so much better and so much greater being a part of it. You are participating when you're in this room. And can I just say right now, for those who have not come, something is happening in worship right now. God is doing something so great in worship right now, and he wants to continue to do this. This is the beginning. This isn't like, oh, that was a really good taste. I feel this, JJ and I, are. there's, there's this beckoning to go deeper. There's this call. There's this longing in God's heart to take us deeper, and he is calling you to go deeper with him. The last few, I've never had this happen, but the last few services that I've been a part of, I have heard the angels sing. Singing. I have heard them joining. It's like they can hear the cries and the praises of the saints in this room. And they're so moved by it that they begin to sing with us. They begin to move and begin to cry out, holy, holy, holy God are you. The Bible tells us if we don't cry out, who will? The rocks. And I know right now that God is calling us to cry out and worship him. It is this season that we're going into and to get excited. Be prepared. Come expectant every week. God, what are you going to do this week? How are you going to touch me? Who are you going to heal? Who are you going to 
set free because he is calling us to begin to believe and have faith in those things. Thank you, God. Thank you. So that's just a little precursor. Um, and now to the message. I, I am... I. I was not necessarily supposed to teach in this um, series, but a couple of months ago, I was doing a devotional that I do at nighttime. And, but one of the ones was um, about loneliness and this idea of loneliness and this idea of isolation. And I just thought, wow, this is something we all struggle with. We all have gone through this, right? You have felt this. I, there's no doubt in my mind that each one of you could tell me a story or a moment in your life or a continual time that you have felt alone, that you have felt maybe abandoned, right? Maybe like you have been left to die and no one cares, not even God himself. Maybe it's been in a relationship, right? Maybe you've been married and, and you have been hung out to dry. Can we get real tonight? Is that okay? Maybe it's in your finances. Can your finances be a really lonely place when you see your bank account going down, down, down? And you hear all your friends around you talking about, oh, we live in Highland Ranch. I mean, there's a lot of wealth to be had. And there's those moments that you just feel so completely isolated. Or maybe you have a kid who's struggling right now. And it feels like everyone else is just thriving and their kids are just doing so great and you just feel so alone in your suffering. Maybe it's your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're struggling right now. Maybe there's a sin in your life that you're having a hard time overcoming. And what we want to do is kind of step away, right? We want to slowly begin when we're struggling and when it's hard and when we begin to feel that little bit of, oh, I think what we like to do is, and I think I can do this, right? We step into the dark. We begin to step back away from people and away from God because we're afraid and it's hard. And I think the enemy is so wonderful at convincing us that's the best thing to do when we're struggling is to pull further away from others. To not turn our face upon the Lord, but to look the other direction. Or as I was driving to um, church this afternoon, I was thinking, maybe, maybe it's, you're not alone, but you're with the wrong people right now. And that is just as bad. You are just as isolated. The Bible tells us, do not be yoked with those who are not like you. There's danger in that. We have our counselors right here, which they're the world's best counselors. Larry and Nancy. I love Larry and Nancy. Can we give? Yeah. You know, because they are. But I would bet probably 90% of the people that come and see you, it's about relationships that they're dealing with and that they're struggling through. At least 90%, if not more. Yeah, it's relationships. It's the thing that we all struggle with and we all deal with. And yet, here's the message tonight. God has given us the gift of relationship. It's a gift to behold. It's a gift to have and he gives it to us. Genesis 2.18 says this, God rooted in each and every one of us a need. Hold on, what is going on with my, 
I'm going to read it up here. Then the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Up until this point in the Bible, God continually goes, it is good. It is good. It is good. He looks and he continually says, it is good, it is good, it is good. And yet, even before there's sin in the, on the earth, he looks and he says, ah, it is not good for man to be alone. There's no sin on earth, right? Do we agree? Genesis 2, has the fall happened yet? No. And yet God says, no, it's not good for you to be alone. And God already has relationships. So I've seen um, a couple... Um, philosophers and biblical scholars, right? Talk about this and talk about the idea is that it's, well, it's God. It's just God that we need. And there was something that had happened. But my thought in that is, well, the fall hasn't happened yet. There's not brokenness yet between us and God. And yet even in that, God goes, no, it's not, it's not enough. You need someone. You need relationship. And so what does he do? He brings Adam Eve. He brings a helper to him. He brings someone fit to help. What is she helping? Have you ever asked that? What is she, like, what, tending to the livestock? I mean, maybe, but God could have brought anybody for that. It's a help to come alongside him, to do life with him. And I think a lot of times what we do, and it's very, very popular right now in cultures to go, well, my relationship with God is great and that's all that matters. Well, I think you're missing a really big part to something God has called you to be a part of. You're called to be a part of the church. You're called to be in communion with others, to dwell with others. And this is so important. God intended this. God intended to, uh, for us to live first in communion with him, right? And then next in communion with each other. And we have to get this first. This is important. This matters. And if you lack this, this is not going to be the way God had caused it to be. So I've been, I did a couple, I was reading a lot this week on just articles on loneliness. And you can look this up yourself, okay? So I'm not just making this up. There are many, many, I mean, Google is just full of articles on loneliness because this is something that a lot of people face. Do you know how many people in America say that they feel alone? You wanna take a guess? Go ahead, shout it out. How much, what percentage wise? 60, it is 60% of adults. This is not including those under the age of 18. 60% of adults. And here's the kicker, right? Young adults are twice as likely. 18 to 24 year olds are twice as likely than that. I think the numbers, um, it was in the 90s. 90% of young adults feel alone right now. I think a lot of times we say, oh, this is something that older people struggle with. No, no, this is something that across the board people are struggling with right now. COVID did not help that, if you can believe it. But loneliness isn't just a mental thing that it impacts. It actually impacts your physical well-being. Feeling isolated and feeling alone impacts your physical well-being. You are more likely to have high blood pressure. 
you are more likely to have heart disease. You are more likely to be obese. You are more likely to have a weakened immune system. You are more likely to have anxiety. You are more likely to have depression and you are more likely to have cognitive decline. It is far more likely and it increases your chances of having those things when you are alone. You can look it up. I'm not, I'm not making this up. You are more likely to have all of these things. And that is how important. God looked and knew, church. God looked and saw Adam and said, no, this will not do. This is not good. You need someone. You need people in your life. And maybe you felt abandoned, right? Maybe you've been burned really bad by people and it's closed your heart off from others. But my challenge to you tonight is, who do you think you're hurting in doing that? That person's already gone. You're hurting yourself. You're wounding yourself further. I saw this quote and I just thought it's so true. Loneliness acts as a fertilizer for other diseases. It lets the things grow and grow quickly. The biology of loneliness can accelerate the buildup of plaque in arteries help cancer cell grows and spread and promote inflammation in the brain leading to Alzheimer's disease, all from loneliness. Loneliness promotes several different types of wear and tear on the body. It wears you out being alone because you were not created to be alone. You are going against something that you were made to do when you're living life alone. And that is this way and also this way. Yeah. It is both things. I was, um, I was watching this video and it was the progression of social media. Okay, so raise your hand. Do you have social media? Any, any form. All right. Okay, most of us, I think there are very few people who don't. My sister, she doesn't have social media. That's who doesn't have social media. <laughs> but at one point you did. So maybe that should be the question. Raise your hand if you have ever had social media. Ah, oh, there it is right there. See, some of you've caught on to, it's not great on social media. It's not real relationship on social media. But here was, here's the interesting thing. So I, I was trying to think about this. I kind of, I'm of the generation that started social media. So MySpace, raise your hand. Do you have a MySpace? Yeah. The scene kids, it was in a top nine, right? Like your top nine friends were right there for the world to see. Okay, but after MySpace and all of that, so I was, I think I was in middle school when MySpace, AOL, all that kind of stuff. My like AOL name was I'm not clumsy 2133. I thought I was really cool. Why, why, why do we do that? You know, like why? Why do parents not help you? I'm just kidding. They do. My parents probably told me that's a dumb name. And I was like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I am cool. So I was part of that. And then Facebook. So I grew up with Facebook. But what Facebook's original intention was to what? Connect you with who? Your friends. your friends, right? Your friends or your family who didn't live and didn't get to see you every day. And so Facebook started out with this actually really wonderful intention. It was really kind of cool. It was to connect you with those that you didn't get to see all the time. It wasn't for you to like meet random strangers and like share your life with them, right? That wasn't it. It was to connect you, to share pictures or to give updates. I remember writing those like updates. Like 
it would always say like Kate, well at the time it was Leach. Kate Leach is, and then you'd like fill it in, right? Do you remember this? Can you like think back to this time and like everyone would like write comments on it and to let you know how cool you were, at least in high school. Does anyone remember though that like you had to have your college email account first? I remember I convinced my boyfriend, he was in college to like get me a Facebook so that I could be on it at the time. I was like, this is so cool. So that, okay, but that was the original intention of Facebook. And then kind of along the way, you have Instagram, okay? And Instagram was kind of the same idea, at least at the beginning, it was like you to connect you with photos, right? And it was to connect you with your friends. It wasn't necessarily to connect you and to have you have this big platform for all the world to see. Though, as time went on, right, we all of a sudden had, what do we call them? influencers that came along and then the goal kind of turned into oh I want to get rich and famous off of Instagram and I don't really care to connect with anybody that I actually know because I only have so many friends I want I remember and if you were really real too especially in my generation and younger probably it's like the more friends you had the more followers right on Facebook it was friends on Instagram it was followers. And we're all of a sudden getting this disconnect. And you didn't care if it was people you knew or not. You just wanted a lot of people following you. But then comes what? What am I going to talk about? What do you think? TikTok for all my young, young people, right? This is, I think TikTok's the wild west. Here, and this is, you guys want to hear a funny story? Okay, so I have TikTok. For, I, I like to bake, and I'm going to actually get to this in a sec. So for like my business account, I have, that's the only social media I have is this. But you can, TikTok's algorithm, which I know they say it's from China and it's bad. And I know, but you just get on there and they find the things for you that you like. And I'll just like start scrolling. And I'm like, yes, yes, this is true. Like all this stuff. Well, JJ, I thought had TikTok. So for months, I'm like sending him all, all these videos, probably like, 50 and up, 50 plus videos that I'm like, this is so good. And I'm like writing, he's my only friend, I think on TikTok. And I'm just like, look at this video. Oh, this is so funny. Ha! Huh? Thinking like he was watching all of these videos. And then one day, I, like six months, seriously, I think it was like six months go by. And he's like, I don't have TikTok. And I'm like, you have an account? He goes, yeah, I don't know the password. And I was like, well, you need to get on TikTok because I have a lot of stuff that I've shown you over the last few months. And sure enough, it like took him a while. But TikTok has now become a platform to promote yourself. And actually, you don't want people, you know, to follow you. It's really not for that. And if you go on and you listen, actually, people really talk about their families and don't like, like as if their families are not watching. They have zero desire to connect with anybody in their actual life. It is not about building relationships. It is simply to promote whatever you want people to see. You're controlling it, right? And there's a great danger in allowing this to be your relationship because church, there's no accountability on social media. None. Good or bad. Like I have a friend who's struggling and I'm going to come alongside. I ran into my friend one time, like a good friend at a parking lot of a Chick-fil-A. And they were going through a really hard season in life. And she hadn't told me about it. And I was like, how are you? And she just burst into tears. 
And I was like, oh my gosh. And they, they, it was like hard. And I'm like, well, why haven't you told me? She's like, I think it was the Lord that I was supposed to see you today. And like in that second, I knew I'm supposed to come alongside you. I'm gonna bring you meals. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna text you. I'm gonna bring you in to be prayed for. Like you are not alone in this. And there was accountability in that, right? I had accountability. I am looking this woman in the eyes, telling her I'm gonna be there for you. And now I am held accountable to that. Social media, there's nothing. Oh, you're so pretty. You're so nice. We're best friends. No accountability. Or on the other side, okay? So I said, I like to bake cakes. And so I have like a little business and I, I make videos. So I had one go viral, which was, I was like, oh, this is so cool that I have this two or two million people see saw my video. I'm gonna read you some of the comments that people wrote on my video. So unorganized and messy. I can't handle it. Kinda looks like a bunch of lipstick smashed on a cake. That looks terrible. Where's the finished product? I'm sure the end is ugly. Guys, these are like this is a cake. Like people started fighting on my video, and I looked at my husband. And I'm like, this is cake. This is this is a cake that people are mad about. Like like people were mad at me about a cake. A cake. I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> I'm sure the end is ugly. That's why she refused to finish it. No, I just forgot because I have four children and didn't finish it filming because I have four children. Did I write that? No, because it's a waste of time. This one, the, lovely, right? This one here, here you go. My bathroom sink after my child gets into my makeup. How dare you? This person, they get mad at me. How dare you build up my anxiety levels, wondering what the outcome be, and then just end the video like that. I gave someone anxiety. Anxiety. Then this one, low key. Oh, just, you know, chill, right? Low key, like your cake is bruised. I don't even know what that means. Someone just wrote a mess. That was it. They spent the time to write a mess. And then someone wrote, I hate unfinished bleep videos like bleep is the point of that. Yes, over and over. I have, you can go. I have many, many more to look at. I had people, it was like with Oceans, the song in the background, and like people got in a religious fight over this, like over doctrine on Instagram, on Instagram. I just thought this, this is, this is wrong. And yet so many of us, put our life and our time into this. And I was thinking, you know, none of those people, not one, I guarantee you, would have said anything like that to my face. It's so easy. And, and, and again, did any of them ever think about the words they said after they wrote the things they said to me? Oh, but it stings. Ouch. And I'm just someone who has confidence and it's okay because it's a cake, but what if it was about the way I looked? 
We wonder why this young generation coming up is more depressed and more anxious than ever before because they have things like that being said, not about their cakes, but about them themselves, about who they are. Those words hurt and there's no accountability for it. So I want to give you today three thoughts on relationships, three things that God did intend Three things that I think he thinks, and it's this. The first one is the fall broke what God intended. The fall broke what God intended. Genesis 3, 8 through 13 says this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And what do they do, right? They've just eaten the apple. Eve gets it first. She gives it to her husband. And now this is the first thing we've seen since then. This is the first interaction, the first conversations we're going to see with God. And here's what happens. Sin has officially entered the world. And the first thing we see is this. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? Immediately, immediately the repercussion of sin and of a fallen world is we have now hidden ourselves away from God. And I think the thing is, church, it's not, God is not angry and disappointed in the fact that they hid. It's in the fact that they felt the need to hide. It's not that they hid. It's in the fact that they felt like they needed to hide from him. And he calls out, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. There's shame now on him. And I think this is what happens with sin. This is what happens in this fallen world is it causes us to pull away from God. We have shame on ourselves. We are ashamed of the thing that we've done or what we're living in or what we've walked through or anything along those lines. And we feel the need to hide ourselves away because we feel naked and we feel vulnerable. And it makes sense, right? God is holy. God is perfect. And when we recognize, we feel like we've fallen so far short of that. I was thinking, I have a one-year-old. His name is Shia. He is our baby, and he's everybody's baby. Like, he's just a baby. You know what I mean? He's the last. Everybody, right? Like, whether you are that or you, like, know your sit. My brothers, who, um, they are related to us, all sitting over here with their beautiful wives, way over there. Yeah, those are my brothers. And then my sister, she's my favorite. She likes, I'm just kidding. But Daniel, right here, Daniel is the baby of our family. And Daniel just acts like the baby. He just like expects, he does. See, everyone in my family clapped for that because we all know Daniel's the baby. When we were growing up, he would like, we'd all be eating and he'd be like, hey, can someone get me a fork? We're eating too. Yeah, but could you get it for me? Yes, you're laughing because you were the baby. You know, the baby is the baby. And Shia in our family is a baby. Everyone loves Shia. Like he smacks us in the face and we're like, ha ha ha, Shia, you're so cute. The firstborns are not like that. Like that's unacceptable, right? Like you're done. 
Like at one years old, like Ezra would have been grounded, you know, like done. <laughs> but the baby, no way. Like they're too cute. They're like you don't mean it. They do. They do mean it. Shia likes to tell me no all the time. No, 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 no. And then kind of just like smack me. And for some reason, I don't know why, but I just think he's so cute. I just can't do anything to him. I'm just like, come here. It's fine. Yes, Ezra though, the oldest, he does. He gets on him. Uh, Mom, uh, Shia today when I was getting ready for this, he got into the toilet, splashed water all over himself, thought it was funny. Your firstborn, you would have washed them immediately, right? Like you would have taken them to the shower, cleaned them off, like new outfit. You're fourth? You're like, that's too much effort. Like, do you smell bad? <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. This is why the youngest are so chill, because their parents are chill. It has nothing to do with personality and everything to do with how they're raising you. Like, I don't care. Are you alive? You know, like, are you alive? Did you get fed today? That's all. Like, you're good. You're good. We're good. Now, your first, it, it just, it's not like that. It's just really not. Like, they're just not. They mind being dirty because you constantly wiped their faces off for them. And now they notice. Mm -mm, not the baby. So my baby, okay? My baby, as now I'm giving you background into his life, like, he runs around with a diaper on. Or he doesn't care. There's no shame in what he's doing. There's no shame. Because he's not aware that there should be any shame. And up until this moment with God, that's how Adam and Eve were. They were the little baby of the family running around. So carefree. So innocent. And even though they were naked all along, it's not until the sin has entered that it matters to them. Now they're aware of it and they want to hide and they hide from their creator. They hide from the only one. Isn't it crazy, church? They hide from the only one who can set them free. They hide from the only one who has ever cared for them, cared for them, who has ever taken care of them. They hide from God himself. And it's the first repercussion we see is the relationship between man and God's suffering. And then God says to him, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man says this. Here's the second thing we see that happens. The woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Just throw her under the bus, Adam. Just throw her out. It's fine. And we laugh, but church, it's the first thing we see is they turn on each other. They hide from God and they turn on one another. And we're still dealing with that today. We hide from God and we turn on one another. This is what our sin causes us to do. This is what the fall of man does to us. Sin broke the original intention of how God created relationships. Do you recognize that relationships were originally supposed to be easy? It was not hard work. For those of you who are married, right? You can say, it's okay. They're not looking. You can raise your hand, right? Marriage is hard work. Just real quick. 
No one saw. It's fine. You don't have to fight about it. It's true. <laughs> JJ and I have a relatively easy, we get along really well. I think we're both just very laid back people. But I remember when we first got married, people saying, oh, it's, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. And I was like, whatever, it's not. And for a really long time, it wasn't hard between us. But you know what? No one, no one talks about what happens when one of you is struggling. Now you're immediately drawn into that too. And the brokenness they face, now your relationship faces. Our brokenness, our sin causes this to fracture and this to begin to turn on one another. But here's the thing, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it, right? Relationships are not impossible, they're just hard. But they're so worth it. Marriage is so worth it. Hanging on when it's hard is so worth it. If you're in that place, hold on, hang on. Push through it. Recognize you are not each other's enemy. I'm preaching to someone right now. You are not each other's enemy. And to blame the person you're with, to pull in Adam, doesn't help the situation. It was true. Eve did give him the apple, but you know what? Adam ate that apple. Adam ate that apple. So then my second point is this. We have the fall and it breaks those relationships, but church, Jesus broke that curse. Jesus broke that curse. We no longer, you can clap, it's good, it's good, right? Jesus broke that curse. We don't live under this condemnation. We don't live under that anymore. We are now sons and daughters. If you've accepted him, we are sons and daughters of Christ. John 19.30 says this, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is what? Finished. It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What's finished? What do you think is finished? That curse, what's the curse? That our relationship with Jesus was fractured. That our relationship with God was not perfect and that we couldn't get to him. And Jesus in this moment, church, oh, it moves me. Jesus is saying, that is done. The old is done. The sin is gone. I am taking it all on myself in this moment. It is not finished in the sense that it's done. I'm done for. He's saying, the sin is finished. The brokenness of relationship is finished. It is finished. And now you can live in true, real community with me. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you for breaking the curse. I think sometimes we so, it's so easy to recognize what we gained, right, from Jesus breaking the curse. We gain him. We gain heaven. We gain eternity. We gain freedom. What did God gain? What did God gain? He gained you. Oh, this Bible, this thing that we have right here is the most beautiful, epic love story of all time. It's about this God who so fiercely pursued you through all of time to get to you. 
He gave up his one and only son, not just because he wanted the earth to be perfect. That is not why he did what he did. And it wasn't to make you perfect. It was to make you perfect so that you could have relationship with him. It was always about the relationship. It was always about the community. And we see with Adam, it's the first thing that broke. So maybe when Jesus was on the cross, it's the first thing that he broke was that fracture. Oh, it's repaired now and we can have relationship with him and we are not abandoned. So I wanna do this thing really quick. Okay, I need you to help. I need your participation. Did you come to church awake? Are you ready? Yes. You, so you think you're ready for my test? Okay, I need you to fill in the blank for me, right? I pledge allegiance. Keep going. And to... Look at that. You're so good. You pass. Wonderful job. Awesome. Okay. And since my voice is gone, I'm not going to sing for you, but jingle bells, jingle bells. Oh, lovely. You sound so lovely. Okay. I can say one, two words, right? And you immediately know what I'm going to, where we're going with it. So Jesus is on the cross. And he is about to breathe his last breath. Right? And we find this in Matthew 27, 45 through 46. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I was thinking here, I want to, I want to just stay with me for a second. Why would Jesus choose to say that right then? For the Roman soldiers, for those did that, that were not practicing Jews at that time, they're probably thinking, ha ha, look at us, we won. You're admitting defeat. Your God has forsaken you. Look at you. But for those who knew, <laughs> this is powerful. This is good. For those who knew, just like you know the Pledge of Allegiance because you're part of this, right? It's study. You grew up in school and you probably said it. You know Jingle Bells because it's everywhere and you know the whole entire song. Jesus in this moment is actually referencing something in the Bible to those who have ears to hear. And it's Psalm 22 that we find it. It's a Psalm of David. And David is saying this, the very first words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus on that cross is telling them, no, 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 remember the words that come next. Remember what David says. Remember what is to happen. It says this, have you felt this way? David certainly did. God, Jesus in this moment is saying, I feel this. I know this pain. Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Maybe you're in that place right now. Maybe you feel as David felt. And you know what? It's okay. We have all been here. Jesus on the cross is saying, I feel this. I feel this deep anguish. I feel this in this moment. But then church, David goes on to say this, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you are fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. 
And Jesus is saying, yes, I feel forsaken. Yes, I feel abandoned. And yet I put my trust in you because you are faithful and you delivered the generations before and you will continue to deliver. You will continue to be the God that you said you have always been. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. You will never be put to shame when you put your trust in God. You will never be put to shame. And Jesus isn't saying, you have forsaken me and abandoned me. No, what he's saying is, I am taking this all on so that you will never feel the actual true abandonment of my God. What a powerful thing he's saying. And it's for us today. Which leads me to point number three, church, you are never alone. Though you may feel alone, Though you may feel abandoned, though you may feel like you have been so hurt, if you go on to read Psalm 22, wow, does David feel hurt and feel abandoned. And rightfully so. That guy, he went through some stuff, didn't he? Probably more than most of us ever will in our lives. But he remembers the God of his fathers, the God who is faithful the God that we have hope in and he will not put us to shame. Because here's the truth. When you accept Christ into your life, you can never be alone again. It's impossible. You have now been grafted into this wonderful, beautiful family. And the one who sits at the patriarch of it all is Jesus himself. And he's saying, you're never alone. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. He felt that. He took that upon himself so that you didn't have to. And this all ties together. We have this scripture in Ephesians 2, and it starts at 11. It's an easy one to pass over, but it ties into Genesis, I think, so perfectly in the fall. And it says this, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. At one time we all were separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But, oh, I love that but in the Bible. It's the best word to see, right? We were gone. We were sinners. We were cast off. But, but now in who? Now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now with each other, there is also no hostility. We are also called to be brothers and sisters under one God. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create himself in himself one new man in place of two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. This is for all to hear, right? For through him, we, were, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no 
longer strangers and aliens. You are no longer alone. You are no longer cast off. You are no longer isolated. You are not that, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You sit in this church because you are not alone. You are not alone. You are in a place with family members who are here to come alongside you. It is all of our charge to live that way. It is our charge to allow others in and it is our charge to live with others, to help them along their path, to keep them going, to keep pushing them on. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. We're meant to be a holy temple together. Together. We're meant to do this together. Two are better than one. Iron sharpens iron. We're meant to sharpen one another. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Church, Christ reconciled us to him first, right? We are reconciled to God and to him first, but then he follows it up. And I always say this, God never stops at good. He always continues to the great. So he goes, all right, I made this right, but I'm not gonna stop there. I'm also gonna make this right. And when you have this right and you live with me and you dwell and you continue to put your eyes on me, out of that flows this relationship right here. You can have relationship. You can have, you can have wholeness with another person. You can. It's hard sometimes, right? But it is not impossible. Not with Christ. Not in your circumstance. Not in the thing that you're struggling with. We are made to do life with him and with others. Your body literally shouts at that. It needs it. It wants it. What does this look like? Real quick, in the last year, JJ and I have, right, so JJ and I have always been really close and we have our family and I love that and we put priority. I put all my time and all my effort into raising our children. But in this last year, God has really, probably after COVID, I think, really just revealed to us this need and this place that we have lacked in, in developing relationship with others. Because I think it's just really easy to be like, well, this is my person, but you need more than that. And he's safe, right? I've been hurt in my life. Uh, a hurt relationship of a friend. It's not a one to get over very easily, is it? And so in the last year, JJ and I have really like put an effort into um, building relationships and building friendships. And it's really this incredible thing because when him and I are having a hard time or when there's something going on in our family, I can call up at least five really good friends to go, I need you to pray right now for me. People I trust, people who are trustworthy, who fervently pray for me. This morning, I, uh, Kathy, Kathy Melson has become a great friend. She's wonderful. I love Kathy. She, pray, she, call, she texts me this morning and she goes, how can I pray for you today? I go, my voice. I need prayer for my voice. She's like, on it. 
And I know she means it. My sister, my best friend, my sister-in-law is over there. People who are faithful, right, to us. But we've been also called to be friends to others. So we have these neighbors who live behind us and they're wonderful. They're so cool. And we really love them and they're Christians as well. And so we've really like been like, we need to invest. We need to pour into other people. And it's been really cool because, so here's, <laughs> no, this story's kind of funny. Um, I've been telling JJ for months, we have a trampoline that's brand new. And I have been telling JJ for months that we need to put anchors in that trampoline because what happens to trampolines in Colorado? Do you know? Do you guys remember last week when it was like really windy? Yeah. Well, I told my husband, my dear sweet husband, that night, in fact, I'm really worried about that trampoline. I really think it could blow away. And he goes, yeah, right. That's really heavy. That'd be insane wind. I was like, Hey, it's pretty insane wind out there, but okay, I trust you. So sure enough, about five minutes after that conversation, we get a, a phone call from our neighbor. I knew immediately. I was like, it's Bo, isn't it? He goes, yeah. I go, it's our trampoline. I guarantee you, they live right behind us. And it was. So our trampoline blew up. And you know, this is the really loving relationship that JJ and I have built with one another. I said, I'm going upstairs to bed because I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I was so frustrated. Uh, granted, also, I'm not very strong, so like, what was I going to do? I would have just been standing in the cold. And it wasn't my fault. I tried to tell him. I tried to point this out to him. Maybe my next message should be, men, listen to your wives. They have a lot of wisdom. <laughs> anyway, the neighbor that we have behind us, he stays out with JJ till 11 o'clock getting this trampoline out. It's not even in his yard anymore. And yet I thought, what an incredible example of, he wasn't like, oh, I'm trying to be like God. I'm trying to, serve, you know, he was just a friend that just showed up. He was just there. That's what our life should look like with others. Sometimes we need help lifting a trampoline that we cannot lift on our own. Yeah. Hear what I'm saying. Sometimes there's a trampoline that blows out of control and it is too much weight for us to bear alone. And we need others to come alongside us. Would you bow your heads with me? I would be remiss after this message to not give an opportunity for those who do not know. Maybe you are alone because you've never met with your Lord. Maybe you've never known him. Maybe you've never had that relationship. And I have to give the opportunity tonight so that you will never feel alone to know your Jesus, to know him, not to just know of him, but to really, truly know him. So if you are in this place and you want to know, you want that relationship, you do feel alone. And you don't want to be alone anymore. Would you raise your hand? Yep, I see you. I see you. Yep, I see you. Yep, I see you. Father God, I just pray right now, Lord Jesus, <laughs> that even a simple hand raise is enough for you, God. 
It doesn't have to be this grandiose thing. It doesn't have to be coming down to the altar and the theatrics of it all. A hand raise will do. That surrender of raising your hand saying, God, I am a sinner. God, I need you. I don't want to do this life without you. And there is no way to you except through your son. So would you come? Would you come and and live life with me? Would you come? God, I don't want to be alone anymore. If you raise your hand, would you just say yes to that? Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. And then the second thing is this. I believe there's power in reconciliation. I believe Jesus came to reconcile us to him and to reconcile us to others. And maybe you're in a place and there's a relationship that has been broken and you need the impossible to happen. You need what only God can do to happen. You need him to come and move mountains for this reconciliation to happen. There's been brokenness. There's been sin. There's been the fall, the curse. It is not what God wants. It is not his intention. Would you raise your hand? Maybe it's with a friend. Maybe it's with a child. Maybe it's with a parent, a spouse. Maybe it's with him. All over this room. Yeah, I see all of you. I see each and every hand. And the great news is, if I can see your hand, all Jesus certainly does. So, Father, right now I pray. Oh, do what only you can do, Father God. I have seen your healing hands. I have seen it in my life. I have seen it in the physical, tangible way, Lord Jesus. I have seen you do the impossible. And so maybe you're here. Maybe you have such little faith for that. Well, on your behalf today, I have faith for you. I have faith for you that God can do the impossible. That he desires to live life with you. That he desires to be reconciled to you. That your sin is not too great for him to carry. That your sin is not too much of a burden on him. That he is not too disappointed in you for messing up once again. No, God says, come to me if you're weary. Come to me. The chances with reconciliation with Jesus are endless, church. You are never alone if you have him. You are never alone. And if you're in a place and you have a relationship that's broken, God, I have faith you can do the impossible. I really feel specifically like it's with children. Maybe they're raised. Maybe they don't see, God, the truth of who you are. So right now in this moment, Jesus, would you talk to that child? Would you reveal, Lord, that they're not alone either? (laughs) That there's a family waiting for them? That there's a family who loves them, Lord Jesus? They don't have to get perfect before coming home. They just need reconciliation, repentance, Lord. I pray that. God, may we be humble enough to repent when we see something wrong with another. Let me say that again. May we be humble enough to repent to another when we see how we have sinned or wronged another. 
Would you reveal that to us, Jesus? Tis so sweet to trust in you, Father. Tis so sweet to trust in you. I thank you for your good work, Lord. I thank you for what you've done. May we seal it and may we bind it, God, in the only good and wonderful name. It's your name, Jesus. It's your name, Jesus. Amen.